1: Welcome to the this hour, and good afternoon. Health Minister Christine Elliott has unveiled legislation to modernize the delivery of home care. The promise is that it will remove barriers among different providers and that it will deliver services more quickly and with better coordination. It will also remove the ceiling for maximum allowable home care, which is currently 14 hours a week. Of course, The big question is, how will it achieve these goals? Health Minister Christine Elliott joins me now. Welcome and thanks for joining us. Hello, Libby. It's great to join you today. Thank you. So, uh, given that you've got current resources and and the same people delivering uh, much of these services, how are you going to achieve these goals?
2: Well, a lot of it is just uh, allowing the health partners to be able to work together. The, uh, there have been barriers that have been set up over the years, largely through legislation through the Ministry of Health, that we're going to change with the uh, uh, Connecting People to Home and Community Care Act to allow um, primary care uh, hospitals and home care to work together for the benefit of the patients and their families.
1: Okay, uh, I'd like to just go through the kinds of things that we hear the most complaints about. Okay, Uh, And they have to do with resources, and they have to do with the shortage of personal support workers. So you're taking off the maximum, that's great. Some people need more, but uh, basically they already can't get
2: what they're supposed to get now. Well, we're certainly... uh dealing with the uh, question of personal support workers um, with respect to home care as well as in hospitals and my colleague, the Minister of Long-Term Care, is is looking at it with respect to um, her file. But it is really important that we work with personal support workers to understand why they're not staying in in their profession. Uh, I think there's a a number of issues there that uh, we can deal with because we know that we need more personal support workers across the board in health care. And we are looking at that somewhat as a separate issue. But of course, it does relate significantly to home and community care.
1: Okay, so what what often happens, this is what people tell us, even say they're supposed to get two hours, the home care worker arrives late, and then leaves early because they have another thing to get to, or else they're just canceled completely without any notice, leaving, uh, the person stranded because they haven't made any alternate arrangement. So how would this new system prevent that?
2: Well, we know that uh, ultimately, through our local Ontario health teams, that um, home and community care will be part of that. And so it will be up to the local providers in order to make sure that that person is not left without services. That's one of the gaps that has been identified to us and one that we are going to, to deal with as part of this uh, transformation of home and community care. But we also know that when people are leaving hospital and need home care to Facilitate their recovery, that often when they leave the hospital, they don't know who will be providing home care, what services will be provided, and when they will arrive. As part of this change, people will know that, that the, the people will start working towards discharge from the time that people come into hospital. So when they leave hospital, they will have all of that information. Hopefully, we'll have met the home care provider before they leave the hospital. And that should deal with a lot of the concerns that people are now experiencing. And
1: now, you've said that in the meantime, uh, your government wants to abolish the LINS, the local health integration networks that have run this. Uh, they've been widely criticized, criticized as another level of bureaucracy. But it's, it's basically... Uh, and you've said that they will have to stay in place in a transition. Yeah. But it, it's basically the same people. It even goes back. I mean, remember the community access uh, care was abolished. And I know people who are there in hospital and there's a person and the person was a community care access person. Uh, now it's a Lynn person. They call it something else. It's the same person who either says, no, you're not getting this care. Or uh, you know, I've heard, they'll take you into uh, the stairwell. They'll ask you to walk three stairs, and they'll say you're fine. You don't
2: need care. Well, the, you're you're right that the lens are gradually being phased out. Uh, we believe it's very important for people to have. The care closer to the front line, but the lens will remain in uh, in position with respect to home and community care and long term care placement. They will be uh, called home and community care support services, but it is essentially the lens. We're keeping them in place right now and not making this change too quickly because we don't want patient care to be uh, compromised in any way. So we need to take these transitional steps in order to make sure that that is going to be in place. We don't want people to have uh, interruptions in care or not have people show up for their care. That is why we're doing it this way.
1: Okay, so there's going to be somebody on site somewhere who, uh, if your, your person gets canceled, they will make sure something else happens. Yes,
2: and there will be one number for people to call that they will know that there will be someone there to help at the other end of the line.
1: Okay. I have a question. Uh, you said that there will be these video consultations uh, with uh, medical professionals and caregivers. That sounds smart. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, in terms of where does that equipment come from? I mean, a lot of these people who need home care are, are elderly. They don't have even basic computer equipment or know how to use it or want to know, for that matter.
2: Yes. Well, that that will be uh, something that the video conferencing can happen, perhaps even with the person being in their... Uh physician's office or with their home care worker who can help them connect with a specialist, um, from the comfort of their own homes because I know that in many parts of Ontario, it's very difficult to get in to see a specialist and it may require hours of travel on very icy roads. So I think the video conferences can be helpful and that people will be supported in accessing that. They, there's not an expectation that well, people will do that on their own, but I think there are other types of, um, virtual. Um, home care. That is also very helpful. I have witnessed it myself with a woman in the Sudbury area who had been discharged from hospital, but she had um, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, COPD, and she was very concerned uh, about her symptoms and worried that she might have to go back into hospital. So she was given a tablet to use where she would uh, weigh herself. They would take her heart rate and so on. Every day, she would was able to do this and um, put this information into the tablet and she was connected with a home care nurse who was able to tell her that everything looks fine you don't need to worry or maybe in some cases you need to adjust your medication or it could even be that you should go and see your family doctor but that gave her incredible peace of mind and also uh, just the fact that she was living alone and that she could connect with home care in that way that's what we want to see for more because we know that they don't want to go to hospital to have these things checked out if they're all right and they're sort of preliminary checks. And, uh, and we want people to be able to um, stay at home, which is where they want to be. So uh, again,
1: is there a budget for all this video equipment? Uh...
2: Oh, there, there, a lot of this equipment is already in use. It already exists. We just want to make it more readily available to people.
1: Now, part of the problem, there's this patchwork of very small home care companies. Uh, And uh, so where do they fit into all of this?
2: Well, the small home care companies that have already been providing the um the, the home care under our existing system will continue to do that people will continue to access home care uh currently in the same way that they always have we want home care is being provided by nonprofit organizations in in most cases that we want that to continue um but we want to wait until everything has been transferred into Ontario um health in order to negotiate the next year's contracts
1: Okay. Uh, just a question. Your old job, uh, the patient ombudsman issued a report yesterday. That job hasn't been filled since you left. Is your government intending to fill it? Do Do you think it's important?
2: Yes. Actually, it is very important, and we are intending to fill it, and we've already uh, taken the first steps to uh, set up a committee that will be making recommendations in the same way that um, that uh, I was selected several years ago. It, it is a vital role. Uh, we want people to have a place where they can refer uh, complaints with respect to um, home and community care hospitals and, and long-term care. That is um, where they know what will be dealt with, in addition to the internal processes that already exist in hospitals, for example.
1: Okay. uh, Final question. It's a little off Topic, but so we have hallway medicine. We have all these bottlenecks and uh, we also have to prepare for COVID 19. Are, are you directing hospitals to have extra isolation rooms and all the equipment that's necessary? And where do you get those rooms if, if uh, people are in the hallways to begin with?
2: Well, hospitals are already prepared. For um, events of this nature, with respect to COVID-19, they have to be prepared for um, to to isolate populations where there are uh, viruses that uh, can be transmitted. So they already have the protective equipment. They have uh, negative pressure rooms to diagnose people. They already have places where people can be treated. So our hospitals are already in good shape for that.
1: Okay. Health Minister Christine Elliott, thanks so much for being with us. My pleasure. Thank you very much. For okay. These. Bye-bye. Okay. Um, so a lot to unpack here. And of course, the big question is, will this work? How is it going to work? This plan, of course, has its critics. Um France the NDP health critic, uh, doesn't see how it's going to work. Bob Bell, the former Deputy Minister of Health and CEO of the University Health Network, sees it as regressive because it focuses on patients who are leaving hospital rather than those still in the community. So let's bring in France Jelena and Dr. Bob Bell. Hi. Hello. Hello, Libby. Uh, Let's start with you, Bob. You were listening, presumably, to what the minister had to say. What what do you think?
3: Well, first of all, I'm delighted the minister has chosen to stabilize the system by not creating chaos in home care leadership, governance, and administration. It is a bit of back to the future, however. You know, we're going back to 14 LINs, which were supposed to not exist under the Connecting Care Act, um we're being told that ontario health teams will take on the responsibility for home care in the future at some undefined point but you know there are over 5000 care coordinators in this province responsible for interviewing patients organizing their home care and these people need to work somewhere and currently ontario health teams can't possibly employ care coordinators the lens can Delighted to see the lens system being revitalized because it uh, has a lot of experience with home care. But this seems like a bit of return to what used to be there, I think it's fair to say.
4: France, do you agree? Uh, I agree. I mean, uh, she said she was going to change the form. It's basically staying the same, but at the core of it our home care system is broken. It fails more people than it helps every single day. What is the major driver of our failed home care system? They cannot recruit and retain a stable workforce of PSW. Why? Because even if she works from seven o'clock in the morning till seven o'clock at night, five days, six days a week, She's not going to make a living wage. Make PSW jobs good job. Give them full-time, a living wage, and a little bit of benefit, and problem-solve. There are thousands, tens of thousands of PSW who work anywhere but in care, because if they work in home care, they will starve. They will live in poverty. None of what the minister has put forward uh, goes to the core problems that we have with our home care system. Uh, Yeah, I mean, uh,
1: I've asked the minister about it a few times and she says, well, they are working on it. And and on top of it, uh, Dr. Bell, I'm sure you're aware of this, that if, if they're working for a small agency and they have a client that they see on a regular basis and that person goes into long-term care or isn't there anymore, passes away, unfortunately, then their hours can be cut and they can be without a full-time paycheck
3: as meager as it is. Well, you know, Madam Gentleman, has hit it right on the head. There's no point in removing service maximums from regulation on legislation if the people aren't there to provide the service. Well, exactly. I, I can tell you, as a cancer surgeon who's referred a ton of patients to home care, The work that personal support workers do in our health system is the toughest, least respected job. They don't get paid for travel. They only get paid when they're facing the client. And, you know, they're expected to work from 7 to 10 in the morning and from 6 to 8 in the evening and then just go home during the daytime. I mean, this is a tough job that's under-respected. The last government increased hourly wage for PSWs by $4.50 an hour. However, when we look at the amount of funding that's going to home care, the workers don't see most of it. And, you know, this is a problem. We need to look at the delivery model of home care in addition to the organization. This government spent two years looking at the organization of home care without tackling the major issue which is how home care is actually provided.
1: That's interesting and you make a very good point because uh, those of us who have had to get private home care, well, uh, you pay a lot, a lot more than what the personal support worker actually gets on an hourly basis. Probably, what, 30, at least 30% of that goes to the agency.
4: Oh, absolutely. I mean, in in my writing, it doesn't matter the care coordinator, and I don't mind if the care coordinator is with your primary care provider or if she's in the hospital or if she's, I don't care, but it doesn't matter. The care coordinator will look at you and say, you need help transferring from your bed to your wheelchair, you need help getting dressed, you need help to make sure that you're fed properly, so you qualify for 14 hours of home care, uh, 3 hours of respite, but we don't have the budget and we don't have the staff. So you get two bats a week and that's all you get. It doesn't matter that she changes the the maximum of 14 hours because the people who qualify right now in my writing don't. And as we get closer and closer to March 31st, which is the end of the fiscal year, people who used to get, you know, like a full hours of home care every day, their their needs have not changed, but there is no money to continue with the care, so they are down to two bats a week, and that's all you get, no matter what your needs are. Uh, so I want her to address this, Uh transforming the system and getting people to walk, to talk to one another, sure, I'm all for that, but you cannot turn your eyes from from the urgency of people who want to stay in their home and i agree with uh, dr bell that to only focus on people who got sick enough to be admitted into the hospital and now need home care is to, is to look downstream, look upstream, look at all of the frail seniors who want to stay home, support them in their home in a respectful way. <laughs> They're not going to end up in the hospital. They're not going to end up in more trouble. But none of that is available to them. Okay, let's take a couple of
1: calls. There's a lot to unpack there. And by the way, that was my first question to the minister. You've removed the maximum, but you don't have people. But let's hear from Joan in Tilsonburg. Hi, Joan.
5: Hi, Libby. I hope my voice carries through. It does. First time, first time caller.
1: Oh, wait a minute. There you go. Welcome. Uh,
5: go thank ahead. Thank you very much. I am 81 years old. My husband's 82. Uh, my mostly caregiver. I have been with the system, in the system, many years. Now, now I'm under two uh, care partners and parameds. Uh, my morning care partners, 90% successful. My paramed in the evening I've had for six months, and I have now missed 46 nights of visits. Wow. And, start, and I was told this weekend by them that I would miss every second weekend because there's nobody to come unless they came at 2 o'clock in the afternoon to get me ready for bed. Well, at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I'm Hardly dressed for the day and they want to come and get me ready for bed. So, of course, I said no. So they told my care coordinator that I had declined service. Well, she knew I hadn't declined service because she knows my situation. I am paralyzed. I have a lip, lift. Uh, I have just everything. I don't move anything except an index finger. And mostly my tongue, but the mind is still with me, and my husband at eighty two suffered through a hernia all summer, bad back, of course, because i'm I'm a light woman, but i'm dead weight, and so to him, I weigh five hundred pounds and he's wearing out and and as Elliot said or and this third lady, I agree with her one hundred percent they're they're focusing on people that are in the hospital and released. I call myself now a disposable senior citizen. Oh, that's terrible.
1: That's, that's terrible. Um, I really appreciate your sharing your story. I think it, I mean, it, Totally underlines what the problem is that all this tinkering doesn't change the fact that there aren't people to deliver those services. Um, Joan, I I really thank you for your call and all the best. And you sound great, by the way.
5: Thank you so much. And and you're right. Caregivers deserve more money.
1: Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye bye. Um, Bob Bell. Back to the issue about focus on people leaving hospital, but we have this huge problem of, of hallway medicine and to the extent that anything might get fixed doesn't doesn't it make sense to try to fix that first
3: yeah it certainly does but I think our problem with hallway medicine um, Libby is um, it's dangerous to focus your thinking on hospital in that regard in that hallway medicine is the canary in the coal mine. When we don't have anywhere else to send folks, they end up in hospitals to be cared for. And when you look at the 18 to 20% of people in Ontario hospitals today who no longer need acute medical care, who could be cared for in the community, you start to say, where is the best place to build capacity? And the best place to build capacity is where people want to be cared for, which is in their homes. We have so many options to look at. We have skilled nursing facilities. We have transitional care facilities. We have more creative forms of home care. It costs about $60,000 a year to keep somebody in a long-term care home and probably three times that much to keep someone in hospital who doesn't need to be there. So lots of options. We need to be looking at creative means of caring for people in the community instead of reorganizing, you know, the deck chairs on the deck of the home care ship. Caring about who runs home care, whether it's OHTs or it's it's Lens, is not the issue. It's how to create new models that make this respectful work for people Personal support workers, and keep people where they want to be when they have health needs, which is in the homes.
1: So, uh, but is anything they're doing worthwhile? I mean, they are trying to reorganize it. They uh, they they're introducing uh, some technology, which seems to be a good answer. Uh, what do you think of that video, by the way, France?
4: Well, I can tell you that I come from Northern Ontario, or hospital health sciences <laughs> north is the biggest user of virtual care the example that uh, the minister used is an example from my writing we already use virtual care in northern ontario has been using it for some time it always comes to the same thing where are the resources to have those tablets available, to have those blood pressure m- monitoring and, and everything else that you need to send the patients, there is no new money becoming available. Our hospitals have seen flat uh, budget, uh, zero budget increases for many, many years, and, and now it does not even keep up with inflation uh, those ideas are all good. Where are the resources to make those ideas a reality joan 's story is a story that every Monday morning on our answering machine at at work, we hear stories like joan um, my p s w didn 't show up. I had to stay in bed. I missed my grandson baptism or whatever whatever because because the p s w doesn 't show up um, The doctor. Uh, Bell is right that our hospital are sorts of the net of last resort. When other parts of our healthcare system fails, our hospital catches us all to make sure that we don't fall through the crack. But really, it's to look upstream. Why are so many people needed to be caught by this net of last resort by our hospital? Because our home care system is broken. And it goes back to Supporting people in the community, and now I'm the broken record that says, why aren't we supporting people in the community where they are? Because we can't re- recruit and retain a stable workforce of PSW, and the record starts all over again. None of that is addressed with uh, what the conservative government has put forward.
3: Okay, New let's models take- in the community, Libby, Pardon? like. For example, congregate living for people who require home care, uh, supportive housing, um, skilled nursing facilities, which we see really reduce hospital overcrowding in the United States. These are all new models of care in the community that Ontario should be exploring, not switching around who's going to run home care. This, This is an old debate. We need new models of care.
4: And, and there are many, many new models that exist. Think of what you could do with $60,000 a year to support people in the community. That's what we pay for a long-term care home bed. Yeah. There are so many things we could do that would be better. Ask any of the people on the line, how many of you are looking forward to going to a long-term care home? I guarantee you the answer is zero, but yet, there are some models that are respectful, that people want to have access, that exist in others' jurisdictions. Let's bring that to Ontario. And on those notes, I have public accounts, and I have to go chair public <laughs> accounts.
1: Okay, France Shelley, now thanks for joining us. Bob Bell, please hang on. Uh, yeah, I
4: will.
1: Let's uh, take one call before we take a break on this. France, appreciate your time. Uh, Nick in Tottenham. I, hi, Nick.
6: Hi, Libby. I'm also a first-time caller.
1: Oh, wait a minute.
6: There you go. Oh, wow. Love it. Uh, Libby, my, my wife was uh, discharged from hospital on Sunday, and prior to her leaving, she had a, an interview with Home Care. They went through all of the questions, you know, what, how many floors, how many stairs, how many pets, all that stuff. She got home to get um to make arrangements for home care, she called the number that we were given, the Lin line, and uh, the home care person said, "Oh, our policy has changed. We don't come to your home. You have to come to the hospital." Now, how is that home care?
1: Uh, and what was it for? Something like changing a dressing?
6: It was well. It was to monitor the dressing. Yes, definitely changing the dressing. But there's a, an issue with a with a drainage tube that's leaking. So that, that needed. Really close uh, scrutiny. So yeah, it yeah. needed can to be I done comment on, on that, Libby. Day. Would you mind? No, I, do,
1: I don't mind, and I I've, I've talked to you about this before, Doctor Bell. Go ahead. You, you, you have
3: indeed, and Nick, I can understand immediately what you're saying. You're saying, hey, this is called home care, and they're telling me to go to the hospital. There are some services like wound care, like drain drain care that you're describing for your wife, and I hope she's doing well. By the way, she's back. Um, from the hospital, like, by the way, pardon me. She's back in the hospital. I'm sorry today, to but. hear that. Oh, uh, that's too bad. The, yeah, the uh, provision of physiotherapy services that are better managed in the hospital than they are in the home, it's just doggone gar- hard to care for some wounds in the home. And there are um, wound care, care clinics set up in community across the province where home care services are provided in a clinic or in a hospital area that specializes in. Things like wound care, so that's the reason why your wife was was advised to come to one of these clinics. Likely, so, so uh, with the medication that she was on, she's on.
6: Uh, she's not able to drive, and I have a business that takes me into into the city. So, uh, to get her to the hospital can be because we're we're not close can be um, a daunting task, and yeah. uh, there's there's no provision for that.
1: N- nope. There's uh it's it can be really, really tough. Um Nick, sorry to hear your your wife is back in the hospital. Um
6: I don't well, know what to say. But it's 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 uh, it's an ongoing thing and I think uh you know, the home care person was she was cognizant of uh of one of the problems that was causing the leak and, and if we'd nipped that one the first day, maybe we, we could avoid it, uh, a return to the hospital. But no, that's hopefully okay. she'll she'll get better.
1: Thanks for your call. I am on the line with Dr. Bob Bell, who is the former president and CEO of the University Health Network, also former former Deputy Minister of Health. And uh, first I want to take a call from David in Newmarket. Hi, David.
7: Hello there. Can you hear me okay? Absolutely. You're on the air. Go ahead. Sorry, first time. A little nervous here.
1: Oh, first time? Oh, I've had three first-time callers today. It's not even free-for-all Friday. Welcome.
7: Uh, free for all Friday. I love that. Um, I, I just feel like we're kind of living in Oz, and we've got this army of tin men, robotic brain, no heart people with this fraud Ford wizard, and and we've got all these single moms and these PSWs and teachers and nurses and the early childhood educators, are most valuable investments being chop, chop, chop with an axe and, and no heart. Like, it's just... Robotic brain thinking. Well, you say you we're have a the niece lion who's... with the courage, and it's just—it's crazy. The, and they cut back the, the disabled. Uh, the the, this, the federal government just increased the CPP disability by a, a mere one point something percent. But David, that's like David, twenty bucks to people. David, they, they hold on. It, cut it back.
1: David, hold on. You say you have a niece who's a personal support worker?
7: Yeah, yeah, I do, and she uh, she's a single mom, and she's very um like she's I'm one of those people that you really want doing that because she's such a big-hearted giver. She just she was so inspired to do this, although she could have made more money doing other things, but she thought this was as her service on earth, the thing to do. You know, like dedicated, devoted. And she is I see her struggling. I take care of her son sometimes with my granddaughter and it's just unbelievable what she goes through trying to do what she does and the frustration that she meets like that we shatter the inspiration of those very people. Same with our teachers and our early childhood educators. They're worth more than any bloody politician out
1: there. Okay, it's David, just... thanks a lot. Um, Dr. You Bell, know, yeah, very frustrating. Uh, we often hear from personal support yeah. workers or former personal support workers. It's a very tough gig.
3: You know, uh, Libby, you and I have talked about this. Um, personal support workers are amongst the most essential and yet unrespected and um, you know, uh, people who are disregarded in our health system. I mean, these folks go into people's homes. It's, it's, a, it's a job that can entail personal risk going alone into people's homes. It's a job where you don't have any community of support from other workers doing the same job when you're working. Our nurses, our doctors are fortunate. They work in a community of care. Personal support workers go alone into someone's house and try to manage the needs that they have, which can be so difficult to provide in a compassionate way that David's describing. I mean, we need to say thank you to these folks, and we need to think of models of care that can improve their work life.
1: And, and uh, what would that be?
3: Well, let me give you one example. I mean, we know that personal support workers in general don't get paid when they travel from one client to another client. And, you know, maybe part of the deal we need to talk about with Ontarians is if you're going to get long-term home care, and the vast majority, as we've talked about before, of home care visits are for chronic care. It's not for people just discharged from hospital. It's for people who need home care for long periods of time. And perhaps we should say to these folks, you know, we'll start home care off where you're currently living, but re- realistically, we need to move you into a congregate setting, not a not a long-term care home or a retirement home, but simply an apartment where we have other folks who need home care so we can provide services to you in a more rational way for both the worker and for you so your worker can be there in your home and you have the same worker every day. There are lots of opportunities for this kind of supportive housing model of care that we should be exploring, not exploring how we manage home care, whether it's LINS or OHTs. We should be looking at new models that serve both the client better, but especially support the worker better.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I know that uh, I've sort of sometimes mused with friends that we've got to get a co-op going and 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 uh, hire uh, people to do things. I, I guess that you can get that in a retirement home, except it's extremely expensive. It
3: is, and you know. You know, I think the model that we're looking at is the fact that people need to be responsible for their room and board charges, and the health system will provide for their health care needs with home care. And that's support with respect to bathing, with respect to meal preparation, with respect to uh, ensuring safe uh, taking of medicines, these kind of medical services. But, you know, when you think about people driving around, to actually get to their clients without getting paid for the drive or getting expenses for their automobile, uh, trips. These are, these are very tough circumstances to ask someone to work in.
1: Yeah, especially at their hourly rate. Um,
3: Absolutely.
1: People, let me give the numbers out again. want to hear your stories, 416-360-0740, toll-free, 1-866-744-740. Uh, Earl in Oakville, your mother's getting great home care, right?
8: Yes, Libby. Thanks for taking my call. She's getting excellent home care. Ever since uh, Doug Ford's come into office, she's seeing we're getting PSWs come here more often, and we're getting physiotherapy, and it's excellent. My dad and, I, my dad and I take care of my mother, and with the home care, everything's perfect. It's beautiful. They're doing an excellent job.
1: And how, how much does she get?
8: Well, she, uh, um, um, my mother, um, I don't know what the PSW is getting paid, but... Um, no, how
1: many hours does she get?
8: Oh, how many uh, Geez, uh, almost, we get somebody here almost every day.
1: Okay, for like for an hour or something like that,
8: yeah, for about an hour or so, and plus we get a physiotherapist coming here as well for an hour or two well uh yeah the the conservatives has done a really good job um with uh, home care,
1: okay, Earl, thanks for that,
8: okay, take
3: care,
1: okay, somebody who's happy, Dr. Bell,
3: that's not delighted, you know, and you know you gotta understand as well, this is the toughest part of the system to uh to provide satisfactory care. I mean, you know, you're talking about someone's grandma. You're talking about somebody's favorite aunt. It's difficult for the system to provide people the amount of care that every family thinks their favorite aunt should receive. Um, and you know, and it's not in a regulated setting like a hospital or a clinic. You got to go to someone's home. So this is a hard part of the system to get real, uh, really well considered care but you know the vast majority of people i remember when i was deputy we used to look very carefully at the patient satisfaction uh results from home care and well over 90 percent of people libby were were happy with the home care they were receiving
1: that's good uh let's hear from cheryl in
5: hamilton hi cheryl hi how are you fine well good uh, the reason why I called was um, I understand the plight of the PSW. One of the reasons why I didn't take the course was because I saw that I wouldn't probably be able to make a living. Uh, right now, I'm in a situation where I take care of someone in their uh, apartment full time. It's uh, room and board uh, because right now, neither one of us are working and we're having a hard time making ends meet. Uh, So between the two of us, we're able to um, survive. I provide uh, light housekeeping, light preparation for the meals, making sure he takes his medication. Um, But then I found out that I have high blood pressure now, and I'm unable to lift heavy things. So uh, it's a struggle. I'm looking for work, but I I find it very difficult.
1: Cheryl, you know, you and millions of people like you save the healthcare system millions and millions of dollars as as unpaid caregivers. Yeah. And uh, so you're doing something great. And um, yeah, I mean, if if it helps you out, if there's an informal arrangement. But, you know, we shouldn't have to rely on that. Thanks, Cheryl, for your call. No problem. Bye bye. Bye. OK, uh, we have about a minute left. Dr. Bell, what's your reaction to that, and what would you like to leave us with?
3: I think probably the comment that personal support workers are a crucial part of the Ontario health system, something that we rely on uh, to a great extent to keep people out of expensive facilities, and we need to examine how these people do their job. We need to examine the work life that we expect them to undertake and make this a better job.
1: Okay. Thank you so much, Dr. Bob Bell. Really appreciate it.
3: Thank you very much, Libby. It was a pleasure to chat as always.
1: Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio.